This program is paid for by Advocacy United. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Advocacy United or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded. Consider a career with the International Brotherhood of Boilermakers. As a Boilermaker apprentice, you'll earn while you learn. We offer excellent wages and benefits. And as part of our no-cost, hands-on apprenticeship program, you'll learn from the best in state-of-the-art training centers and on the job. Become a union Boilermaker and get on your way to a great career. Visit Boilermakers.org or call 844-IBB-WELD. And guess where this additional billion gallons of biofuel is going to come from? It's going to come from abroad. That's not an American first energy policy. We're in this together. Labor's in this. Building trades are in this. Refiners are in this. American consumers need us to do this too. Now across the Jacob Media Network, welcome to the Labor and Energy Show special. Exclusively presented by the PBF Energy Paulsboro Refinery and the PBF Delaware City Refinery in collaboration with the labor unions that build our communities. If you fix this RINs issue, you're looking at a reduction of 25 to 30 cents a gallon. This is the Labor and Energy Show, bringing labor leaders, national experts, and political influencers together to educate you about fancy terms like RINs and Reggie, while explaining the truth about energy independence. Welcome to the Labor and Energy Show with J-Doc and Krause. And welcome in, everyone, to what will be our final Labor and Energy Show for the year 20. 23. Along with J-Doc, I'm Joe Krause. We welcome our listening audience into the show and our viewing audience who are watching today across the Jacob Network on YouTube. J-Doc, how are you, sir? Great, Joe. How are you on this holiday, festive holiday weekend, my friend? Yeah, good to go. Good to, uh, good to go for, uh, for a ho- from a holiday perspective and glad that we were able to do one more program. You know, sometimes I'll Sometimes programming turns into a rehash of previous content, but I'm glad you lined up two great guests for us today, um, and we get to end the year um, with two guests and some fresh information for the audience so we, as we continue the mission of educating the public. Absolutely, Joe. And, and here's the thing. You know, we get the opportunity every week to uh, showcase our uh labor and energy leadership. We mix it up in a lot of different ways, okay? And uh, this week, we get uh, to showcase uh, two of our our very dynamic um, labor leaders who are in the energy sector. What does that mean? That means that um, a lot of the workers that they represent, in fact, um, when when it comes to David Butterworth, all of the workers that he represents work in the energy sector. He, you know, and David represents the pipeliners <clears throat> union and and so uh you know it's 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 a a fantastic um opportunity for us uh you know to 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 really really get into um a lot of what our our workforce does in the energy sector Ken Gomeringer who um is the United US Steel uh international state rep the district 4 New Jersey and Delaware represents union workers who also work that United Steel workers are so diverse and and who they represent, but Ken represents individuals who work at our refineries. Okay, and so really, it's it's a, a we're going to talk. We have all kinds of it, uh, things we're going to talk about from giving back and charity and all that, but also 
Um, you know, I had a great conversation with Ken yesterday in regards to, uh, you know, listen, the energy sector uh, is is uh, forever developing. Okay, and and our traditional energy uh, sector, you know, our traditional energy uh, companies and resources, the refineries, um, you know, those who refine our fuel and all, they represent a lot of workers who are, you know, work at the plants, work at the refineries, all those things, and of course, we're transitioning into renewables um but that has to be together but one of the things that's important joe is um you know you just can't snap your finger okay and 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 uh bang we're all into renewables okay it's always going to be a great combination of both uh traditional and renewables but also the workforce people would think that you could just snap your fingers and transition traditional energy jobs for renewable jobs and you and i both know from talking to sean stepney that that our, our renewable, our, our uh, traditional energy jobs, good paying families, sustaining jobs, uh, you know, benefits, all those things. A lot of our renewable jobs, not so much. And so we're going to talk about that fallacy. And we're going to talk a lot about what goes on on the pipelines and the importance and safety uh, and efficiency that they bring to our way of life in America today. I remind our audience that you can, if you miss any of today's show or if you would like to reconsume, Uh, When you're available via podcast, go to Apple or Spotify, just search the Labor and Energy Show. You'll be able to download this edition, the Labor and Energy Show with J-Doc and Krause. You'll also be able to uh, scroll through our entire library of 2023 and also 2022 as we come to the end of what is two years of educating the public, as J-Doc said, in a lot of different topics. As we get ready to go to the break, I love uh, Ken being on the program, J. Doc, because he expands our reach. The depth and the coverage of uh, Ken's members um, extend um, our, and give us a, a, an artificial platform to reach out into New York and in Connecticut, into Connecticut and, and help us throw a much wider net. So uh, we'll kick it off uh, on the other side with Ken. This is the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause. Happy New Year, everyone. Back in a moment. The Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters is proud to present skilled union workers, including the workers that build and maintain our energy infrastructure. The safest, best trained, and most productive carpenters in the country are on the job. Whether it's energy from nuclear, wind, coal, natural gas, or offshore wind, the EAS carpenters are ready to provide the construction need of an energy industry our families depend on. If you're interested in a job in construction, visit eascarpenters.org or follow us on social at EAS Carpenters. Buying a car is a big decision. Makes, models, colors, cost. But soon enough, the government is going to make that decision for you. Delaware and New Jersey are on a collision course to ban the sale of new gas-powered cars. In 2035, you'll have no choice but to buy an electric vehicle in those states. Tell Governor Carney and Governor Murphy to stop the EV mandate and let drivers decide. Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are presented by PBF Energy and supported by members of the labor union community, a collaborative to educate the public and change the narrative. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome everybody back to the Labor and Energy Show with J. Dot Krause. I'm ecstatic to bring into the program somebody who's no stranger to the program, Ken Gomeringer, U.S. Steel International State Rep. Uh, 
let me just uh, USW, I apologize, uh, International State Rep District 4, uh, New Jersey and Delaware. Uh, Happy New Year, Ken. Happy New Year. How you doing? I am fantastic. It's great to have you uh, obviously back on the show. And, you know, it's a, it's a New Year's weekend. And like I said, we get the opportunity to talk to our labor leaders in the energy sector. Um, and today, if you would, let, let's start off by talking about who, you know, for our listeners, who you represent. Uh, I represent uh, a broad uh, variety of folks, uh, people at oil refineries, uh, chemical plants, uh, also uh, terminals, uh, petrochemical terminals. Uh, I got some city workers. I got even got a horse farm. Like I said, we're we're very very diverse in, uh, in District Four, uh, so I get a lot of opportunity to represent different groups. You know, which brings different challenges. And so it's it's interesting. I do remember from our last conversation, uh, you talked about the horse farm, and so. Mm-hmm are kidding when we talk about diversity in, in workforce. Um, when, when we talk about uh, District 4, okay, and I know you represent mainly the New Jersey and Delaware workforce, um, but man, we're talking Connecticut, Delaware, Maine, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, uh, you know, and like, uh, you know, New York, Rhode Island, Vermont, all those territories, and Puerto Rico. And Puerto Rico, <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, that might be, you know, I got a meeting in Puerto Rico. You know what's amazing? We talk about, and, and I can't, when, when you talk about um, the USW and, um, you know, a lot of these territories, and the, the, the uh, pandemic was obviously devastating and very difficult, um, but there were some things that came about uh, that, that became technology every day, and Zoom, I, I assume mm-hmm. that, that Zoom, um, which did come was one of the things that developed out of the pandemic that um, that we, we we will stick with forever. Has that impacted your your job every day? Um, yeah, I mean, Zoom is uh, made, was a tool that was available for us to be able to stay in contact with our members during the pandemic. Um, we actually did contract negotiations over Zoom uh, arbitrations, so it, it was it was a good thing, but it was also a learn. You know, we had to learn how to adapt to doing arbitrations, negotiations, those types of things over Zoom. Um, we utilized it actually for uh, actually having union meetings and all that because we wanted to stay in touch with our members and get feedback from them, what was going on and what their needs were during the pandemic. And, of course, we had to continue to do our business of representing our members and negotiating their contracts and taking care of safety concerns and issues like that. Exactly. And so it's a, fe- a festive time of year, of course, and um, obviously with New Year's, you know, a day away, um, we're talking, you know, what we like to talk about, uh, you know, the good things our labor unions do, and, and we're going to get into a lot of issues in, in a moment. But uh, we had a nice conversation uh, before the broadcast. And USW, United Steel Workers, uh, you have pro- women of steel, adopt a family, okay, at the Delaware Refinery. And there's also... Mm-hmm. Um, do something pretty unique with the veterans groups and give out free haircuts. Now, a lot of these things are not just holiday focused. You do them all the time. But talk about them and how important they are to the culture of the USW of impacting lives, not just on the job, but those in need. Well, we, we, we also understand that it's very important for us to be involved in the communities that we that our members work in and live in um, and, and to give back right to those that are less uh, fortunate than us. 
Um, so like our women of steel, they do a lot of good work with, uh, they've done packages for veterans and that are deployed overseas. They send gift packages and all that with, you know, deodorant socks, things that, you know, we take for granted. They, they've done stuff like that. Um, you know, also our veterans committee, right? The steel workers are, are very, uh, entwined with our veterans and we have veterans committees and, and most of our, and almost all of our districts now and our locals, um, we'll do a lot of stuff legislatively for, for veterans, but also, like you said, one of our locals in Delaware, um, had did, uh, free, had done free haircuts for, for veterans on veterans day and during holidays before in the past, um, you know, coat drives, clothing drives, uh, as you mentioned, uh, my home local, uh, USW Local 4-898, the Delaware City Refinery. Every year they do adopt a family where they adopt like five or six families and go Christmas shopping for, for the children and stuff like that. Uh, you know, donations to volunteer fire companies and all that because they, they provide a, a service for, for us and our, our locals and our halls and stuff like that. Um, so it's, it's very important to, you know, not only concentrate on you know, the, the work, you know, negotiating contracts and those types of things, but also being out there in the community and being involved with the community. Um, you know, me coming from the Delaware City Refinery back in 2009, we were shut down um, and we, we really understood how that also affected the community that the refinery operated in and the support that we got from the community, with, you know, trying to find a, a buyer and keep the refinery running and keep those good paying jobs in that community. Um, you know, there was a study done back then that, you know, it wasn't just the thousand people that work at the refinery. It's like, I think, 15 or 20 jobs for every one job in the refinery. It affects 15 to 20 jobs outside in the community. So it's very important to, to give back and be involved in the communities that, uh, like I said, our, our members work and we represent it. Yeah, and, and, and a lot of our members live in those communities, right? I mean, the, you know, yes. and, and, and so. Um, it's just part of the culture of labor and it's all, you know, and it's this time of year, we love, we love to point, point it out all the time because as you know, as you represent on a daily basis, uh, you know, it's, this is an important time. It can be a great time for a lot of people. Some, some it's not, it's a difficult time, but our labor unions are always there. Um, uh, and that's important. And we like to, you know, point it out every week, but particularly now, obviously, um, it, it having said that, okay. and and by the way, when you mentioned the uh, the veteran groups, one of the things that's important and synonymous with labor is our, our relationships and our, our synergy with with the veterans, because a lot of our members are veterans. OK. Mm -hmm. And and so, um, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, patriotism and, 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 you know, I love I love, you know, the, the, the free haircuts. That is a, um, you know, it's a. a, a it's a, a great thing, along with the adopt a family, uh, you know, with the, you know, so it's just a, it, it's it's extremely heartwarming. Uh, so having said that, um, that's, you know, a year in review, man. I mean, um, you know, you're out there on the front lines on a daily basis. OK, let's let's talk a little bit about 2023. OK. And, you know, so a lot of issues. OK. And, and the RINs issue is one of those things that directly uh, impact, you talk about the Delaware City refinery. Talk about, you know, your, you know the, the USW's uh, work on that issue. We've all been working real hard on this radio show uh, on, on that issue. If you listen to the broadcast, you know, you'll hear 
Jimmy Snell, uh, who is uh, the Steam Pitters Local 420 here in Philly, talking about that RINs issue, okay? Talk about, you know, the impact that, that the USW had and the work on that partic- particular issue uh, that you guys, you know, did. Yeah, well, I mean, it goes back even before uh, 2023. I mean, steel workers and myself personally, I've been involved as a local union president doing work on RINs since practically the renewable fuel standard came into effect and RINs became a tradable commodity, basically, which it was never intended to be. So, I mean, we've been down there, We, myself and, and uh, Jimmy Savage, who now works in our political department, who was the president of 10-1 uh, back in the day, uh, we we been down there many times lobbying and uh, giving testimony at different hearings and stuff like that. Um, this year, though, we did something a little differently. We actually, uh, our legislative department worked and drafted some legislation. It was called the Safeguarding Domestic Energy Production and Independence Act. Um, and it kind of had something in it for all the shareholders, right? Because when you talk about RINs, you're talking about ethanol and all that. So you have the corn lobbyists, you have us, you have the environmentalists. Everybody's got their 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 piece of the pie that they're trying to look out for. Um, and, and for us, what this legislation did is it would set the RINs price at a standard price. Um, and it wouldn't be a tradable commodity, right? And also with this legislation, the money that was generated was going to go into different pots to help different different groups. Um, so back in September, what the steelworkers did was we got a contingent of folks from our refineries on the West Coast, the Midwest, you know, down in the Gulf states and, and the East Coast. And I kind of spearheaded the East Coast contingent um, that came throughout our legislative department. We did that. Uh, we were able to uh, lobby either by dropping off uh, the, the package for the for the legislation or actually meeting with senators and Congress and Congress folks. We met with over 80, 80 folks over a two day period, which was, uh, you know, if you've ever been in Washington and walking around there, it, it you know, that was pretty impressive for us to hit that many, many legislative offices. Um, so we're hoping that, that that's going to get some some ground. Uh, Senator Casey out of Pennsylvania was a big help with that and, and his his office with the helping us with that legislation and drafting that legislation. Uh, like I said, a lot of it came from our our, our folks in, in Washington. We have a very, very good uh, legislative department uh, of the steel uh, of the steel workers uh, who do great work on, on lots of things. Um, so that, that was one thing we were work at, working on, uh, you know, big around RINs th- this this year. But like it's, I said, this is it, 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 it's such a complicated issue for, for you know, for people. I, you know, we, we, we had uh, uh, a number of po- uh, political leaders uh, on Norcross on, on, mm-hmm. on, on the program. And um, but I remember asking him, this was a couple of years back. It wasn't 2023. It was one of our first shows a couple of years ago. And he, one of the real stunning things was because, you know, we've talked about not only, uh, you know, obviously jeopardizing our, our refineries, but, you know, we have national security issues. Right. And so all kinds of stuff going on. And I asked him, I said, what are your, your colleagues think okay and in congress he's like i don't think they really understand it and it's amazing how many people and the impacts of it and and it's amazing how many people in leadership roles are voting on things they you know they're 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 listening to their staffers i don't think they understand it and 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 it impacts so many people so obviously we commend what you guys are doing the usw and uh, obviously we're a platform for that um lots of things going on ken and you know, you, you you were talking about a trip um, to actually to Norway. Okay, well, it, it was 
the United Kingdom. We went over to the United Kingdom. There was a, a union, a union from Norway there. Um, and with, with that, with the, with that had to deal with, that wasn't a RINs issue. We're, we're looking at the, the, the green energy, right? Everybody's talking green energy and all that. Um, and you know, our president from our international president to our district director, everybody understands that, you know, green energy and all that, uh, right. but not at the cost of our, our members jobs. Um, you know, we have to, look at this and be uh, strategic about how it, it, it's done. Um, you know, you see a lot of legislation and stuff now being pushed at, I think it's my personal opinion. I'm not saying this is the steel workers uh, uh, position, but it seems like it's just knee jerk and we don't have the infrastructure and the plan in place to how we deal with this. Right. Cause when you look at a lot of these renewable uh, fuel uh, jobs, you know, it doesn't take as many people to run a hydrogen hub as it does a refinery, right? So what do you do with these people, right? People throw the word just transition around. And I haven't had anybody explain what exactly just transition looks like. Um, so we had, uh, uh, you know, uh, Mike Smith, who was head of our oil sector for the steel workers. Uh, he, with uh, uh, some folks from over in the UK decided that, you know, we wanted to get together and try because they're, they're facing the same issues we're facing. So we went over there and they, uh, Unite, the, the union is the big union over there that represents their energy, their energy, a lot of their energy sector. Um, and we have a, a strategic alliance with them. Um, and also there's uh, the Nor Norwegian union that, that we met with, which is industry energy, right? Um, and they're a little further ahead in this whole green energy thing than we are, which I found that I did not realize that, but I found that out through this, this meeting. So it was an initial meeting to kind of just exchange ideals and see what we're saying. And, you know, even there, we were all talking about, you know, we just transitioned. What does that mean? What does it look like? You know? Well, um, let me, let me jump in there for a second because, you know, uh, with, with the renewables and we all, I mean, we all accept what, you know, with, you know, to an extent with, with, with what's going on in regards to renewables coming into the market and all those things. However, from a technological standpoint, you can't just push a button. Okay. Right. Number one and, and, and make a transition. A lot of, most of, of, of the renewable uh, forms of energy need traditional uh, energy resources uh, to, to run them, number one, okay, and a lot of the legislation, like you said, just as it, it, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's in a, in a sense, it's just a, a uh, you know, a, a clean sweep. You know, you cut everything off, and we're going to start it. Nothing could be further from the truth. But, and that's why we all have to work together, okay. But you mentioned something about jobs. Another great example, Sean Steffi uh, from the Boilermakers Union. Um, he uh, did something re real interesting, and he went to a job. Fair. Okay. Um, Sean is a, um, a business agent with, with, with uh, the board makers up in Western PA and one of our building trades uh, leaders up in, up in that uh, part of the state. And uh, the jobs that uh, the transition, okay, that, there, that this particular area was bragging about went from good paying union jobs, family sustaining to 15 bucks an hour. Okay. And so uh, there are so many issues that are being broad brushed, okay, and, and just in a conversation or a speech uh, that includes the technology to actually make things happen where we all need to work together <clears throat> and the jobs, okay? As, of course, there's not as many jobs needed, but also <clears throat> the 
the quality of the jobs, the pay, and all those things. Okay, it just whoa, 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 whoa. Let's hold it. Let's hold up here and be, and let's have you know, you know, real, real conversation. Let our leaders like yourself, you know, delve into these issues. And whatever whatever direction we're going, let's do it together. Your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I think that, uh, you know, like you said, we all are aware that the world's changing and all that. Um, but you have to be, like I said before, strategic about it. You have to you know, make sure that, you know, we don't leave anybody behind. Uh, you know, I, I've seen some where they're talking within 10 years. I, I, I don't see how, you know, like you said, it's like throwing a switch. How, how do you do that? Because I don't even think for, you know, just an example, electric vehicles. I know in my state, the infrastructure is not there for charging stations and all those types of things. Well, that's a great so, 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 infrastructure. Right. We only got... You only got three to four minutes. Let's talk about that, okay? Like we talked about electric vehicles. Well, awesome. I mean, who doesn't support them coming into the market? Well, they got a lot of issues over in the condo with you know with the, with the critical minerals it takes. So we got to deal with a lot. But them coming into the market's one thing. The mandates, which we've been talking about, you know, pick it up from there because that is a whole nother ball of wax. Going to shut it. You know, twenty thirty five. We're going to only be able to sell. Electric vehicles in a lot of states. Come on. Yeah, yeah. I, I personally don't see how that's that that's even doable that that quickly. Uh, like you said, you got you got to look at the technology. You got to look at you know you're going to be displacing a, a lot of folks because you know you're going to be probably shutting down refineries possibly and all that. Which another another thing you brought up you know brings up uh, you know security issues and all that kind of stuff. Because you're, you know, you're not going to switch your tanks and your Humvees and all that over that quickly to uh, all electric or anything like that. So if we're shutting down refineries and all that, where are you going to get this this gasoline from? Where are you going to get the petroleum products you need? And I don't think people realize too. Just you know, you look at a refinery, you think gas and distillate and stuff like that. There's all kinds of stuff that are everyday use that has petroleum-based products in it and all that. So we you know, need it right now. Right, right, right. So, I mean, it, it's a big, it's a big, big, uh, you know, you got to look at the big picture and also think outside of the box how, you, how you're going to do this. Uh, you know, like I said, our, our thing is, you know, we, we don't want our folks out on the street. We don't want to lose these good sustained jobs that we have, you know, family sustaining jobs. You know, if you're going to replace, you know, a $120,000 a year job with a $120,000 a year job, that's one thing. But from what I've heard and what I've seen so far, that's not a plan. <laughs> that plan's not in place. So I, I think, you know, we got to, you know, everybody wants a clean environment. Everybody wants, you know, uh, you know, the air to be good and the water to be good and all those types of things. And we all realize that things change, but you got to be strategic about it. You got to make sure that you have the infrastructure in place. And you also have to make sure that you take care of the people that you're displacing out of, out of these jobs. You know, whether that's, you know, if they're not making what they're making, there's some kind of displaced fund or something to help these folks transition or something. But, you know, I haven't heard anybody have a plan on how to handle this it's just here's the mandates it's a cluster in so many areas and what's amazing is and we only got about 30 seconds is that the votes for this stuff are happening right now so for these 2035 mandates okay 2027 2035 and and so many people we've had posters on the program they don't even know what they are 
okay? And when they are polled, they're not for them. Ken, if you would, obviously, we're so appreciative of you being on the program and doing what you do on a daily basis in United Steelworkers, um, you know, addressing these issues. Uh, if you would, um, parting words, my friend, uh, obviously, it's New Year's. Um, happy New Year's to yourself and at your fellow USW uh, representatives. Parting words, you got about 20 seconds to your members here uh, for 2024. Um, just that, you know, we, we, we're aware of the situations that are going around. Our international is with, uh, you know, the green energy and things like that. And we're doing everything we can to, to look out for our, our, our members politically and, and legislatively. Uh, you know, our, our, our president, Tom Conway, who recently passed away, he had sent letters to the governor of New Jersey and, and other states, letting them know that, hey, we understand that this is coming. But, you know, we're not you can't like you say, throw a switch, and we, we need to make sure that our members are protected and their families are taken care of. You know, that's what... Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. So, Ken Gominger, uh, United Steelworkers International Staff Rep, District 4, uh, we thank you so much uh, for what you're doing on a daily basis and, and your fellow representatives, and we really appreciate you being on the broadcast and, and a happy 2024 to you and your members, my friend. Yep, and happy uh, 2024 to you all and everybody out there, and uh, thank you for having me on the program. Awesome, my friend. We'll have more from the Labor and Energy Show in just a minute. What's a boilermaker? We're the skilled welders, riggers, and craftspeople who will help you grow your competitive edge. We step up when others step back, and we do the job right, on time, on budget, and safely. No drama, just results every time. We're the International Brotherhood of Boilermakers, and everything we do begins with our bond. Let's get to work together. Visit bestintrade.com. Neuter Integrated Multicraft Contractors has been a force since 1896. That's right, 1896. And specializes in welding, piping, mechanical, structural, constructability reviews, project management, and rigging design services. For a free consultation, call Neuter at 314-421-7600. Neuter proudly serves petroleum refining, chemical processing, power generation, and alternative energy. Get in touch with Neuter at 314-421-7600. This program is paid for by Advocacy United. Today's program is pre-recorded. Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are being supported by the members of the Labor Union community, including Steamfitters Local 420, Jim Snell, Business Manager, the Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters, and the United Steelworkers. All right, welcome back to, to the Labor and Energy Show here on the Jacob Media Network. Uh, we're going to bring David Butterworth, Business Agent, Pipeliners Local 798 into the broadcast. Um, we are waiting for David. I'm here. Okay, there you go. You were, you were, there was a dark screen there for a second, but uh, having said that, we appreciate it. Uh, Dave, welcome to the broadcast. You're not a stranger to the broadcast. Obviously, we had the pleasure of, <clears throat> of bringing you uh, onto the program in Erie, PA, up at the Shell Insight, where you were a uh, a guest speaker up there, which is which is where we met, and I'll never forget it. Um, so the Shale Insight uh, Convention in Erie, PA, uh, features uh, the the Marcellus Shale um, leadership and 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 community, and it, we're, we're you know, and so they had different uh, leaders speaking, and 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 David uh, Butterworth came on to the 
uh, platform and man, oh man, what a dynamic speaker. And literally within 10 minutes, I had him on the broadcast and, and he certainly uh, is dynamic and, and uh, was really appreciative that we had such a great labor leader up there. David, uh, you're, you're the business agent for Pipeliners, Local 798. If you would, okay, tell our listeners uh, about yourself and the Pipeliners Local uh, 798 and, 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 and who you represent, what your members do. Okay. Uh, thanks for the kind words, by the way. I appreciate that. Um, we're, we built the Alaska Pipeline. We, we were the, the main, the, there is an Alaska local up there out of Fairbanks. It's UA local. But in 1949, we were organized um, right after they laid the war lines during World War II. And some guys that didn't have cell phones, didn't have, they had Western Union. They organized, they saw a need for organized labor building pipelines throughout the country. So that's how we started. Um, me personally, I um, started, I got my union book in 1997. I was still in the army and my dad got my book for me. And uh, I came out, worked, started working pipeline. I actually went to college while I was, while I was doing it in the summer, coming back to West Virginia, there's not a lot of good jobs, uh, you know, good paying jobs with a journalism degree. So I love pipelining, and I did it in the summer, went back to it, and never looked back. So um, it's, it's interesting, David, because let's talk about our pipelines, okay? Mm -hmm. I, I kind of created, we had we uh, had Peter Holran uh, of Enbridge on last week, okay? And I kind of equate our pipelines, okay? Um, in, in an analogy, they, they help support our way of life. They're, they're like the veins that carry the blood in our body, okay? And without pipelines, obviously we you know we rely on trains and trucks, which are are obviously important. Okay, and we've got great professionals in those fields and all that. But we're talking about efficiency, okay? Right. And you want to talk about safety and all that. Our pipelines are such an important part of our way of life, okay? And so address that if you will, because you know we talk about safety and efficiency. The pipelines are obviously safer than any other form of transportation. I'll start with the safety and efficiency, and then I'll talk about the lifeline, like you're like you're saying. Uh, if you look up the Energy Information Administration and the Department of Transportation, they keep records. We're far and away the safest, most efficient way to transport molecules around the country. There, you can't. It, it, trains and trucks don't come close. I'm not bashing trains and trucks, no. but look look at the stats. So that's all I'm going to say about that. Once a pipeline's built, you don't know it's there. And, uh, you know, if we do have the new technology we're building these pipelines with today is second to none. The welding processes are second to none. Each welder that goes to the job has to take a destructive test. If you, if you bust x-rays, you're gone. You know, this is a highly, highly skilled job, and it's highly regulated. Once we build the pipeline, they, they put water in the pipeline, and it's pumped up to one and a half times the the operating pressure and it's held for eight hours. It's not this. These are tried and true methods that we've been using for a long time. So and and I, I have no problem going to bed at night knowing that that I represent folks that build the safest pipelines in the world. So that's all I'm going to say about that. Now, as far as the lifeline, we've got currently have the Mountain Valley Pipeline going down in West Virginia and Virginia. In the south, they shut down a bunch of coal burners, right? What we used to do in the South, we used to manufacture. 
Now they can't they can't get gas hookups in North Carolina and South Carolina. We've got the gas in West Virginia and we're transporting it down there. What is wrong with that? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that, but we have faced stiff, stiff opposition and it took an act of Congress to get this pipeline done. It should never take an act of Congress to build a pipeline. Also, the new methods you were talking about earlier, they're getting protested as well. Uh, carbon capture, it, you know, that they're having heck getting those lines permitted throughout the, the Midwest where they were gonna take the ethanol and, and, and drop emissions. And here's another thing, natural gas has taken a black eye that I don't think is fair. Natural gas has dropped emissions and will continue to drop emissions. You know, we were supposed to be the the bridge fuel is what the Obama administration said. We were the bridge fuel. But but the environmentalists turned their gun around on us once they killed coal. So and so and and, and having said that, and it's it's very difficult when you when you know we talk about a lot of uh, extreme left environmentalists who have there's no details ever explained in the conversation. It, it, like we just said, like the conversation. You know, we, we just have a Ken Gomringer of the USW. Um, you can't just flick a switch and our pipelines are so important. You mentioned we're going to get into the, the, the permitting, okay? Um, we're basically shutting the lights out on ourselves, okay, with, with, without any uh, efficient manner. And, and, and a lot of the, you know, a lot of the reasons we, that you get from a lot of the really extreme individuals that, that are doing everything they can, like you said, turn the gun on different individuals and different industries is safety and efficiency. There's nothing more uh, safer or, or, or efficient than, than, than the pipeline. Having said that, let's kind of break it down a little bit, okay? When you talk about, you talk about uh, the safety and, and, and the quality of the workforce, okay? First of all, what is your jurisdiction uh, with, with Local 798? I cover Virginia to Maine, east of the Ohio River. Now, Jimmy Snell covers the five the counties in Philadelphia. And New Jersey has jurisdiction in, in New Jersey. We also don't do the streets of New York. Everywhere else we do it. If it's a union pipeline job, it's going to be one of our contractors and my members are going to be working on it. So, And so how many members do you represent? Uh, I'm just looking at it here. I've got a total of 6,060. Right. And so when you talk about the skills that pipeliners possess. And okay. we live all throughout the country. I mean, you're talking 6,000 members. Your days, uh, you know, substantially different than a lot of labor leaders in, in regards to, you know, you 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 have such a big jurisdiction, mm -hmm. okay? Um, but one of the things you talked about, you know, the welders, let's actually delve into that safety and that and, and the efficiency of the workforce, okay? Yep. Because why not, right? I mean, you know, they, you know everybody uh, talks about, you know the fear factors. No, let's let's talk about the welders, okay? And, and no problem. Who, your your workforce is mainly comprised of of of, of uh, certified welders who you know are are experts in a lot of different areas of welding. We have eighteen hundred active welders. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then so it's it's welders and and uh, out of that workforce, what other types of skilled workers? Welders, journeymen, and helpers. Each each. Welder has a helper, and if you've ever welded on a pipeline, it is uh, labor intensive. So you need to have a helper there to run the. We run the big grinders, the nine-inch Dewalts, you know, the the big ones, and you know you move from weld to weld each day, and sometimes you're jumping across the pipe. So so each welder, it 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 pays off to have a helper, 
And then you have the journeymen. They're, they're the ones in, they're in the main crew in the front that's putting the pipe together. They run the internal clamps. They put the pipeline on the wood. They carry the line through the hills and do all that. And then when it's over with, they're the main ones that, that put the water in the pipe to do the hydrostatic testing. So I was, so, so I'm, I'm an iron worker by trade. Mm -hmm. My father was a, a labor leader for 40 years. By the way, this is something funny. You'll, you'll, so we, you know, it, it, we, obviously we have welders and you, you, you talk about the high rise buildings and all that, but they used to call me slag man. Okay. Cause you could hear my rod sticking in apprentice school. Welding is no joke, man. It's not, it, it's it, not, it, you know, but I, it, we, we've got a, we've got a 52,000 square foot welding. If, and here's the thing. If you can't weld on our jobs, you get found out very quick. Oh, yeah. and, and I mean, you have to t you have to pass a test in our union hall before uh, unless you're unless you're organized. If we're real busy, right. we'll organize some guys in. But still, the gas company test is stringent as it comes. I mean, every your whole weld is cut apart. And if there's any imperfections, uh, you know, you're, you're up to 1104 code. And if you can't pass it, unfortunately, you go home. Um, so I, I don't know of any other. A type of job most jobs you put a hard hat on take a drug test and go to work not with us uh, not with us if you can't pa pass that test you go home oh yeah no we have the best welders in the world in our yep. unions yeah we're very very fortunate it's a hot and and, and and it's such a high-tech area I, but one of the things that um we talk, you know one of the things we talk a lot about you know, you mentioned, mentioned apprentice school and and i'm sure journeyman retraining but let's let's talk about that uh, apprentice school like you said unless somebody's a uh, you know, gets organized and brought into the locals already has those skills. Okay. A lot of times they're learning those skills in, in, in our apprentice schools. Talk, right. talk about that and the quality education, both as a journey a person and, and as a, uh, as a uh, certified welder, talk about the, the education our workforce is getting in those schools. Well, I went to the welding school in Tulsa in 2005. Um, I'll be honest with you, you can't be prepared what you're getting ready to get into on a pipeline job. But it got me to the door to where I could pass a gas company test, but the the speed and the skill and the and the the, the craftsmanship, that's where it takes folks out there on the job helping each other to get you where you need to be. And my father was a welder and that helped out a lot. But you know, this was back in the day where he put you on the crew where they were going to drag you down the right of way. And that's how you learned. And you learned uh, baptism by fire, I guess is the best word, way to say it. But still to this day, um, we do not have a current apprenticeship, but we are developing one because we, we've always been in the private sector. So, and also our jobs, sometimes our jobs only last three weeks. So it's, it's very, it's been problematic for us to put something like that together, but where we're getting into the hydrogen, and the carbon capture with the federal funding and the 45Q, we are developing currently in right now. I mean, they're they're working on it right now in Tulsa. We're 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 developing an apprenticeship program. And you get, and and but when you're on the job, there's obviously. Well, we also still had our classes. I mean, we had two classes a year, uh, and and I was always recommend to to a young person. Uh, I I didn't mind being a helper for three or four years. Oh, yeah. I learned I learned a lot that way. And, and in our local, if you have a teachable spirit and a good attitude, you you will not have a problem. The, you know, the folks we have problems with are the ones that already know everything. That's oh. the, that's that, you know, it's hard to teach somebody that already knows. Well, and, and by the way, it's it, it's so interesting that you say that because, um, you know, 
I always say in, in any field, but I remember, you know, when I was a young person, don't be afraid to ask questions, okay, right. and be educated by the, 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 the workers and the high standards that are there. One of the things you mentioned about uh, about welding, and, and, and first of all, the welders make all the money, the overtime and, and uh, you know, a lot of the... Uh, we're, the, we're, the we're the last hired and first one laid off, too. Well, it, it, it's, <laughs> well, it's interesting because you said, and when I am working, it's the same thing. Yeah. Immediately, you're working your way out of a job. Well, yeah, and, and that's what we're supposed to do. Uh, uh, let me ask you a, a little bit of a question. We were uh, Obviously, you know, we've had Peter Holran on the program, and you talk about a lot of the issues, okay? And, um, what, you know, the, it, it goes so far as you know, talk about the Line 5 um, pipeline and the replacement uh, pipeline, which means they're upgrading the mm-hmm. current you know, they're facing issues, you know, even with the replacement uh, projects, which means that, you know, you're, you're, you're creating a safer environment, you're upgrading and doing all those things. Talk about, you know, what, what our, our uh, you know, our pipeline, you know, workforce and unions go through on a daily basis, even to the extent of dealing with upgraded projects that are already there. Well, there's a movement right now. It doesn't matter if it's fossil fuels, they don't want to do it. And uh, I noticed this trend around 2017. Um, We had some of our best years in probably 2008 through 2017. And um, I I went to a couple of public hearings. Uh, I've actually, my local hasn't missed a federal or state hearing in the Northeast probably from 2017 until today, we go to all of them because, you know, we feel like we, what I noticed was if we're not there, they only hear one side of the story. And I have tried to talk to the other side. I've tried to um, take the high road, but they never really wanted to deal in facts. They wanted to, I mean, just, I, I talked to one lady and she just kept repeating I just want clean water. I just, I, I'm like, listen, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not debating that. We're going to give you clean water. We're going to do everything right here. But that, that's just, it's, it's hard to argue with folks that, that aren't, uh, you know, working in the world of facts. How, how many lives do our, I mean, not exactly, but just at a magnitude of our pipelines, okay, and the uh, fuels that, that uh, are transported via them, how many lives? You know, do they impact on a daily? I've got some examples. Um, do you remember the Texas freeze? <laughs> yeah, of course. That, that's what happens when you don't have your fuel sources. Um, people unfortunately perish. We also had the the Colonial Pipeline that carries uh, liquid. It carries gas. It's 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 a it goes throughout the country. And it's an old line. When when it had a, I can't remember what exactly. I, I think it was it was hot. This was a few years back. I noticed in my community, people were starting to hoard gas. So, so what's that going to do? I mean, if they're not even thinking about the guy behind them, right? So, so, so I, I feel grid reliability. I, I, I'm an all of the above energy guy, and I, I, I don't, I, I don't say climate change is a hoax, or I'm not going to go there. Oh. But what I'm saying is. We have to keep our current grid up to maintain our quality of life. You saw what happened in Texas, and and that was where none of their lines were winterized. Basically, wind wind failed, solar failed, 
natural gas failed, oil failed, everything failed there. And because they weren't winterized. But but sadly, people perished. If and and you know, you think about it, I mean, the elderly, they need their heat, they need their AC, and we provide that. And but just I, th I think there's just a lot of folks in, in the general public that don't realize what we provide. You know, exactly. And let's talk about some of the issues that are, uh, you know, kind of connected to that, to say the least, permitting reform. Yes. Okay? <laughs> the, need, the need to, um, you know, really, you know, implement it at, at a high level. We can't react to situations. We can't start new projects. We right. can't continue projects that are already going. Talk about, we got a couple minutes. Talk about that. We got two minutes. Just what? to try to touch. I, I, I had the unfortunate, uh, I was on the side of projects being shut down. Um, in 2018, we had the Mountain Valley uh, in full swing, the Atlantic Coast Pipeline. I had 3,700 members working in, in, that's my members working in this area. And um, everything was good. And then they started, um, they started taking the legal route saying that the permits weren't valid. And then there was a circuit court that agreed and saying the permits weren't valid. That's why I, I think permitting reform is the end game, but, and it's gotta be at the federal level. Also, you, you know, we've got issues in the states too. New York won't, won't they just won't approve a, per, a permit up there. You know, and we've, we had the constitution pipeline, it got shut, shut down. I can name, uh, the Nessie that was in New York, Northeast Northeast Supply Enhancement, that that never got off the ground. And you know, for a while, Jay Doc, I I never thought I was going to get a win. And then Mountain Valley, uh, you know, Senator Manchin, who is a big proponent proponent of permitting reform, he I, I met with him last August, and he was pushing for it. He really really tried to get it done, and he and and politics got involved, and he wasn't able to get it done. But that is the end game, because in this country, it takes five to 10 years to permit an energy project. And in Australia and Canada, it's one to three. That takes away the certainty and nobody wants to invest. Right. So, so, I mean, we got we have to do something. I mean, it's it's taking entirely too long to permit our projects. And and, you know, I, I hope nobody else has to go through that. Uh, what I did with them getting just the, the rug jerked out from under you midstream. Those, those, those were terrible days, I can promise you. No, absolutely. Uh, David Butterworth, uh, obviously a business agent, Pipeliners Local 798, obviously, and, and also a member of our Energy Education Awareness Council, which we really appreciate. Uh, we want to thank you so much for what you do every day. You're one of the most dynamic labor leaders uh, we have out there and in, in, in representing uh, your members and and our, our union community in general, uh, we appreciate you being on the on on the program, David. And and uh, have a great 2024. Uh, obviously, uh, we appreciate you, and and we we're a platform for what you do every day. Well, thank you for doing what you do. It, I mean, we got to get we got to get our voice out there, whether it be at the public hearings uh, on Capitol Hill in the in the state houses. We have to get our message out there because. Common sense must prevail. Thank you, my friend. Thank we'll have, you. We'll have more from the Labor and Energy Show with Jay Dot and Krause.
in just a minute. The Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters is proud to present skilled union workers, including the workers that build and maintain our energy infrastructure. The safest, best trained, and most productive carpenters in the country are on the job. Whether it's energy from nuclear, wind, coal, natural gas, or offshore wind, the EAS carpenters are ready to provide the construction need of an energy industry our families depend on. If you're interested in a job in construction, visit EAScarpenters.org or follow us on social at EAS Carpenters. Can you afford a brand new electric car or a charging station for your home? Want to spend your days waiting in line at a public charging station? Well, buckle up. Delaware and New Jersey are planning to ban the sale of gas-powered cars by 2035. Most drivers can't afford it, don't need it, and don't want it. Tell Governor Carney and Governor Murphy to stop the EV mandate and let drivers decide. Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are presented by PBF Energy and supported by members of the labor union community, a collaborative to educate the public and change the narrative. And back here on the Labor and Energy Show with Jay Doc and Krause. Really great stuff today, Jay Doc, with Ken and uh, David. Man, sometimes I love just sitting back and listening and consuming the information uh, as a listener or as a viewer watching instead of being involved in the Q&A or the interview process. Good stuff today. Great way to end up 2023. No, no question, Joe. And, and, and you, you can see, obviously, um, our labor leaders, uh, Ken Gomager and United Steelworkers, okay, and uh, David Butterworth, the pipe miners, I mean, they're not only at the forefront of their industries and, and the workforce that they represent, but they're also at the forefront of the issues, okay, and, um, and, and educating the public, um, not only for good jobs, but also they care about the environment and all those things, uh, and, and also um, the legislative issues, dealing with them every day, uh, okay, these things just don't happen by themselves, but thankfully for uh, for us as members of the general public, we have people out there um, representing uh, common sense and energy so that we all can, you know, turn a, a switch on and, and, and electric and we get a light on and, and our heating, our air conditioning comes on and, and we can fuel our cars and all those things. Yes, Joe, like we've talked a million times where, you know, uh, you know, there's a there's a transition in regards to different renewables coming into the market and all those things. But we need our trans. We, 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 we need our traditional um, energy resources and industries uh, as much or more than ever, okay? And together we can make it happen. We've said it many times. This is not a union issue. Uh, it shouldn't be a political issue. It's a human issue. And together with great labor leaders and, and great energy sector leaders, we can definitely do it. And we, you and I, are a platform of, uh, you know, for, for information and education because ultimately the general public has to know what's going on. As David ended up his segment saying, common sense is okay. uh, so, is is so relevant uh, today. That's going to do it for this edition uh, of the Labor and Energy Show with twenty uh, Labor and Energy Show with Jadock and Krause for twenty twenty three. Oh Jadok, yeah, I'll give you twenty seconds before I say goodbye. Oh yeah, I just want to wish everybody a happy New Year, um, Joe. Like you said, twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three were great building blocks. For the broadcast we're building every day, um, we thank all of our labor and energy sector leaders. Nobody cares more about the environment than them, okay? And, and we're a platform to educate people. We can't wait for 2024. 
Happy New Year to everybody. Together, obviously, um, you know, we can create a a, 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 uh, a, a great energy, a, a, a platform uh, for America and beyond. And don't forget, if you miss any of today's show, you can download the podcast or watch it on YouTube. Just search the Labor and Energy Show on behalf of my partner, uh, Jay Doc. I'm Joe Kraus. Happy New Year, everyone. See you next time. Thanks for listening to tonight's Labor and Energy Special. You can help. Call your congressperson and join the movement to push back on RINs. This program is paid for by Advocacy United. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Advocacy United or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded.